you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy helmet hello guys i hope you are well i hope you're having a great summer I myself am having a delightful summer this is my favorite time of year and i am savoring every moment I tried to savor every moment by recording a series of podcast episodes all in one day so that way I could take the month of August off while still giving you fresh, yummy content. Well, when I sent it to my producer, she said, Betsy, these files are empty. And something happened with a software update. I'm sure the episodes are somewhere living in a cloud right now, but they are not here. So I'm re-recording these episodes, which means I had to undelete the questions you sent, and I hope I undeleted them all. Additionally, I hope I didn't undelete too many, because I might be re-answering something I've answered in a previous episode, but I can't remember because I'm basically re-answering everything due to the lost episodes. So if you've sent in a question and you haven't heard your answer, well, don't hesitate to send it in again. Chances are it's lost. All good podcasts go to heaven, and mine is up there somewhere too. So don't hesitate to remind me to send a new one to let me know at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. All right, digging into this mailbag again. This question comes from Alicia. Alicia writes, currently, my home has a U-shaped hallway upstairs with three halls approximately eight feet long each. The hallway leads to three bedrooms and the main bathroom. I've removed a drop ceiling and restored the plaster in the hallway, and I have a contractor scheduled to finish the area over the stairs. Currently, I have family pictures in black frames, an antique family photo in an ornate gold frame, and a painting framed with gold accents. Also in the hallway are some of my children's art, making a type of gallery near their rooms. The walkways aren't quite big enough for any type of furniture. I've listened to most of your podcasts and I've read your book, Big Design, Small Budget, but I haven't heard that much about hallways. Can you help me determine if the large hallway is coordinated enough to tie the area together or if it should be more cohesive? Thanks for your lovely podcast and for help making interior design achievable for everyone. Alicia. You're most welcome, Alicia. This is what I love to do. I live to help. And let's talk about hallways. Let's break it down. 
you've mentioned that you have three hallways and it sounds like you have three distinct artistic moments going on in each one. There's a gallery wall with children's art. There's a series of family photos in black frames. There's that large antique photo with the gold frame and then that painting. It could get a little chaotic. You know, you do want those moments of zen, those moments of good chi, which are blank walls. Additionally, you don't want anything too large because in a hallway that's not deep, in a hallway that's three feet wide or less, you're not going to be able to stand back and take in a very large piece of art. If you have a gallery wall, you only want to have one in eye's view. So if I'm looking down the hall and I can see all three areas of that hallway, I only want to see one gallery wall. If I'm in the living room and I have a gallery wall and I can also see the gallery wall in the hallway, that to me feels excessive. I only like one gallery wall per room for sure. But per eye view, you know, so many of us have open concept rooms now where the living room is open to the dining room, is open to the foyer. Too many gallery walls lose their impact because gallery walls, which are collections of frames, uh, either similar frames or different frames with either similar types of images or different types of images, those are really unique and special. And the more of them you have, the less of the impact they have because it doesn't make it special, makes it a little frenetic, makes it look cluttered and visually chaotic. So limit that series to just the pictures of the gallery wall of the art, potentially, or just the series of the family frames. But two series or two gallery walls tends to just look a little overwhelming, a little too busy. And yes, if your hallways are three feet wide or less, you really can't accommodate furniture while still maintaining a decent walkway. So I think your inclination is right to not clutter it up with anything that takes up space on the floor. But I do want you to consider, you know, do I have too many items on the wall? And if you have a lot of items on one side, make sure that you also have items as you go down the hall or turn to the second hallway on the other side. You don't want only one side of the hallway to be considered. Hallways are already, by their nature, a little bit visually cluttered or broken up because they have doorways. Oftentimes they have light switches or they have other things like... um. In New York City, a lot of the hallways have circuit boxes, uh, and those doors can add to the visual clutter. You can either cover them up with a picture that has a depth so that the little handle to the circuit box door doesn't cause the picture to stick out. That's why I like a shadow box frame covering that. There's lots of things you can do in a hallway, but keep in mind a hallway is to get from one place to the next. So it's not really a focal point. Don't put your best pieces there. Save those for those really dramatic moments above a fireplace, above a bed. One other thing that can bring a hallway to life without adding clutter are runner rugs. I love to layer a runner rug down the hall, and it sounds like you could easily have a series of three runner rugs, one for each hallway. I would make them the same. So you just buy three of the same runner rug, considering your hallways are the same length, because I want it to feel cohesive, even though it is three separate areas. 
Definitely don't buy different patterns or textures. Just make it easy on yourself and order quantity three. And of course, you know, these areas are high traffic, so you will definitely want a rug pad. And if it's super high traffic or you find that your runner rugs are still moving around, you may want to use rug tape to really hold that in place. Alicia, I hope that helps. And maybe in my next book, I will cover hallways. All right, I have another question that comes from Kat in Montana. Kat writes, Hi Betsy, our kitchen has left us with an interesting design dilemma that seems to have everyone we know divided on the solution. We recently had new countertops installed and we are ready to put in a tile backsplash. We're going to use subway tile. The problem is that the countertops extend about a foot past the upper and lower cabinets and they form a small bar to sit at. Half of our friends and family think we should end the subway tile where the countertop ends, and the other half thinks that we should end the subway tile where the cabinets end. We have some pencil liner tile for the edges to give it a nice finished look. I've also tried researching on the internet for an answer to this question, but the internet also seems divided. Have you? Co- I have come to you seeking a final answer. I love your podcast, and I'm sure you will know just what to do. I've attached pictures of the kitchen as well as the tile in the hopes that that will help. Very be- My very best cat. Disclaimer. This kitchen will get pops of blues, greens with towels and rugs and potted plants once it's all decorated. We've kept the kitchen neutral for future resale and matched the tile floors that are already here. But I love color. I just can't stand everything being neutral. I'm just like you. The backsplash has a hint of sage green when you do see it in person. All right, Kat, first things first, let's tackle this disclaimer. I don't mind that your kitchen is neutral. Depending on resale value, depending on when you're looking to sell, what you're looking to do, oftentimes it makes a lot of sense to just have a very neutral kitchen, to not do anything too over the top that will be controversial, and then you're doing things exactly right to layer on with those accents so you can get the pops without the pops having to be something that you've invested in via work from a contractor. In your case, and in most cases, I feel very clear about what you should do with that primary question. The primary question is where to end the backsplash. The backsplash should end where the cabinets end. You should not artificially extend it to the countertops ending. I'll tell you why. The cabinet already creates a very formal line. You can see that vertical line going up and down, and you want to continue that line with the tile. You don't want the tile to extend past it. If you extend the tile past and go to the countertop, it's going to look really artificial and weird. Now, I have seen every scenario under the sun. I have seen people who stop it at the cabinet, the right thing to do, especially in this scenario. I've seen people take it all the way over to the countertop, which was the way it was in my last apartment in my West Village studio, and it drove me nuts every time I looked over that way. At that time, I was single in the city living in a 225-square-foot studio, and I did not have money to change that. But every day I was like, ugh, what were they thinking? Then your other option, and really this isn't an option, it's just something I've seen, is to taper the tile. So from the line of the point of the end of the cabinet to the line of the end of the countertop, people either tear the tile, do a 45 degree angle. That is not acceptable, but it is something I have seen. 
end it at the cabinets because that's the longest natural line that's already there. If you look at the countertop, it's just a very small line. It's just two inches that's on the wall, and that doesn't create a clean enough line to make it continue. Anyway, you know, I could go on and on, but I think that explanation is enough to tell you what to do. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let's get to Maria's question. Maria writes me, hello, I am looking to start a small interior design business in Toronto. Nothing big, it's just me. I'm an interior designer by profession with the bulk of my experience being in corporate design. After a number of years away from the business, I want to resurrect in a residential vein. I'm not sure what I will offer, but low-cost decor packages quite like what you offer, plus organizing and decluttering seems interesting to me. I wanted to reach out and ask some questions. I would totally understand if you don't want to divulge anything to me, but I would appreciate it if you could. LOL, I have no intention of growing past being just a lone consultant, and I have no intention of moving to the U.S. In saying that, I was wondering what space planning software you use. I was using floorplanner.com, but I found that their platform has changed completely and is not as efficient as it once was. Again. If you don't want to reply, I would totally understand. I'm just one person trying to deal with a few health issues and trying to make some money with the skills I know. If you want to check me out, please find me on Facebook. I am at Cheap Chic. All right, everybody, go check out Maria on Cheap Chic. And while you do, I'm going to answer her question. Maria, first of all, congratulations on branching out. Congratulations on changing paths from corporate to residential. I think you will find that residential is a totally different animal. With residential, rather than dealing of the red tape of a business and getting lots of people's approval, instead you're dealing with one-on-one -on -one personalities or with couples, you know, both of them might have a personality and taste. And it does have its own restrictions and boundaries and, you know, the price points are going to be much less. So that might impact your model because in corporate design, they're buying lots more. Office equipment and office decor is a lot more expensive than residential pieces. It's a totally different business model. And I think you'll find there's going to be a big learning curve. That being said, what I love about residential is that the plans are quick. 
The turnaround is quick. You can see how your designs change people's lives every day. They'll tell you the impact. You're really going to get an interpersonal exchange, which is you know, got its challenges when they have a lot of style requirements or need to keep a lot of sentimental pieces. But for the most part, it's just so fulfilling and inspiring to learn and meet someone new. I mean, over here at Affordable Interior Design, we have 40 clients a month. We're constantly meeting new people and it is really fun. And it's what keeps it fresh for me and for my designers. And you never know. When I started this business, I thought, I'm just going to be a sole proprietor. This is just my hobby business. I want to make money, but I want to have fun. I don't want to get too serious about things, and I don't want to have a lot of overhead. Well, all of a sudden, you know, with referrals, because it is such a personal business that when people like working with you, they're going to tell all their friends, referrals can really snowball your business. And before you know it, you've gone from being a sole proprietor, somebody who's just doing this on the side, to somebody who's got a thriving business that they need to learn how to wrangle and manage and put into a formula so that they can really work efficiently. At least that's what I discovered. And I wish I would have gone into it already knowing, hey, I'm going to have a firm because my changes and evolution was slow because I was somewhat resistant. I don't want employees. I don't want to deal with the headache of having to, you know, automate everything and get all these softwares and tools and staff members. But it's been a very rewarding journey, and I'm so happy that it grew past just me. So think about that. Don't limit yourself. But um, I was a little bit more free and easy back in the day when it was just me. And I'm happy to tell you which floor planner software we use. My designers, as you know, Uh, Most of them have been to interior design school where they use very expensive, very robust softwares that residential designers do not need like Revit, AutoCAD, SketchUp. Those are really robust systems that cost so much to purchase and take so much to learn that they're really much more than you need. Additionally, they don't look cute in client presentations. So if you're presenting somebody with an AutoCAD drawing, it looks very technical. There's no sizzle. Nothing about it is sexy or fun, and design should be sexy and fun. Let's keep it real. I really prefer, uh, and what we use all my designers use it, is Icovia. My designers who've been to interior design school had just as easy of a time as my designers who've never been to interior design school. It was such an easy tool to learn. A lot of big companies use Icovia 2020, like Pottery Barn, Ethan Allen, West Elm. I think Restoration Hardware uses it as well. But the thing I love about it is it's pretty easy to learn. It's really intuitive once you get it down, and it has all sorts of cute little pieces that you can throw in. You can choose your style of sofa. You can add in a kitty cat or a puppy dog. You can layer in pianos and ping pong tables. The clients really appreciate how it looks like 
a true room and it makes it more fun to actually draft the floor plan. I love choosing throw pillows and my shape of coffee table and adding in things like plants. And to top it all off, it is only $9 per month. You can't beat that. In fact, I'm starting my Affordable Interior Design Academy in September, and I will be teaching Icovia to everyone. We have videos we've created because that is the one thing I did not like about Icovia, is we had to learn it on our own. Their online videos are not thorough and they're not so helpful. You have to watch 20 minutes of videos to get one tip and it's not even everything you need to easily create a room. We had to make our own videos to really make an efficient system out of learning Icovia. But once you do, you'll find that it is really fun to play with. Maria, I hope that helps, and I wish you all the best with Cheap Chic. Keep us posted. Let us know how it is going. Well, guys, these are my summer easy breezy eps, so I'm going to hop off for this one. I hope you're at the beach or at the pool with your earbuds in, enjoying a Mai Tai and listening to my design tips. Speaking of Mai Tais, I'm going to sign out for now and go mix myself up something special. Until next time. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.